Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian. Today I'm joined by our guest, Sam Bernal. He's the author and creator of the Golden Age of Cards for Low Fantasy Gaming. Welcome. Oh, thanks for having me on your show. No doubt. So what can you tell us about the Golden Age of Cards? So the Golden Age of Karaz is a psychedelic sword and sandal tabletop RPG. Um, growing up, I just loved anything like swords and sandals. Like I was like the weird kid that like in um, CCD, if you grew up Catholic, that's like Catholic Sunday school. When they would like tell the Bible stories, I'm like, oh, this is pretty sweet. They got like swords and battles and stuff like that. I always liked that aesthetic. So I kind of like one of these days I sat down and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to put one of my worlds onto paper. I had recently discovered the OSR scene and low fantasy gaming. And like that kind of thing was sort of like that very much idealized Dungeons and Dragons experience that I always wanted growing up playing third edition, but never quite got. And then, you know, just reading about all these things and like everything clicked for me, all like those old, old rules. I'm like, oh, that's why those vestigial rules in third edition are there. It makes sense now. So I ended up getting really into that and I started using low fantasy gaming, which if you've never played it before, I think it is a fantastic system. I think it is a great bridge between people who might have only ever played Pathfinder or fifth edition and have never played like an OSR style game because it gives you that feel, but it gives a lot more customization for your characters than like a typical retro clone does. So I sat down, I was like, I'm going to create a setting for this. So I ended up creating like a Bronze Age sword and sandal world because I also love Bronze Age cultures, ancient Egypt, the ancient Minoans, Mesopotamia, all that stuff. So I just sat down. I created an entire world. I made some classes. I made some mechanics that I liked. I took a lot of like old rules and I really like tried to streamline them. My background as a special education teacher taught me the simplest way is usually the best way to do something. Yeah. So for example, like I have like streamlined rules for like dungeon crawling. I have streamlined rules for overall travel encumbrance. And then I have like, you can, I, you can never take the teacher out of me. I have at the back of my book, all of these things called graphic organizers. And they're essentially just worksheets for you to work out things like dungeon crawling and um, encumbrance. So you just have a physical paper you can write them down on. I think it's pretty straightforward. All my players that I play tested with said it was pretty straightforward. And yeah, so I ended up making up this game. And my real goal was to be like, I want to make a game that's like designed for like an open table. It's designed for revolving players because we're all adults. It's really, really hard to commit to the same group the same day every week. And it, it, to me, it always ended up feeling like a chore at some point. Be like, oh, yeah, man, I got to go play Dungeons and Dragons tonight and stuff like that. So how I've been running it and playtesting is I try to set my times and days different. So that way I have a group, my group right now that I playtested with. I had about 12 PCs in it. And, you know, there is never going to be a day when 12 people show up. Like, that's just not realistic. So... Uh, yeah, I tell my group, I'm like, hey, if you can make it, you can make it. If you can't, that's cool too. No, that's no, no issues with me. So yeah, we've been really enjoying it. And everyone who I've been playing with, like, wow, this is like relieving to play like this and not have to be stressing about, oh, well, like, sure, I got to make sure that my Monday night at 
7 p.m. is off every single week and all that stuff. So now I like run games on the weekends. I'll run games on weekdays. I find it to be really healthy for people because it ends up being like a fun thing. Like you're excited to be there for us. Like, oh, I made the time so I can go play a game instead of like, like I said before, it feeling kind of like a chore and being like, oh, I have to go out and play. I have to make sure that my Monday's clear and all that stuff. So yeah, that was kind of like my philosophy when creating the game. So the first thing I'm kind of curious about is there was one word you used in describing it that I would like I would like to know about a little bit more. The P word? Psychedelic. I, I appreciate <laughs> the psychedelic stuff. Well, could you expand on that a little bit? <laughs> yeah, so like, honestly, the whole aesthetic of the game, like I haven't commissioned a ton of artwork for like common scenes, but like the aesthetic is going to be like, hey, these are a bunch of Bronze Age hippies, you know? <laughs> They're kind of like living in the age of Aquarius. Like they kind of like, they do what they want. They kind of like enjoy life. And sometimes some people they're like, Hey, I'm going to go out into the desert and go adventuring. But yeah, like for when I say really psychedelics it's mostly in the visuals. Um, if you take a look at the cover art I have on Kickstarter, that's definitely the most psychedelic image I have so far. It's got a sunflower sea. There's like some psychedelic skies. I have a concept in the game called Astral Dungeons. And in low fantasy gaming, there's a mechanic called the dark and deadly magic effect, where anytime you use magic, there's a chance it could backfire on you. And that threat gets exponentially more as you use magic. I added a new mechanic into this called the Astral Dungeon. And it works kind of the same, but if you end up failing your, I call them an astral breach roll. If you end up failing your astral breach roll, you'll get spirited away to this place called, called an astral dungeon. And it's basically like a mini randomized dungeon. It's inhabited with spirits and gin and stuff. I describe it in the book as like, well, you're basically in the galaxy print universe. You know, there's swirling covers all over the place. There's like a neon Tron floor. And there's a lot of psychedelic imagery in that. Um, there's some random events where like, if energy is leaking out of the astral realm, your characters might start hallucinating yeah. and things like that. And also there's the djinn I have in the in the book. Uh, the djinn have a real psychedelic feel to them. They kind of like, whenever they're around, like things start become disorienting. They start, the walls start breathing, that sort of thing. <laughs> That's uh, the biggest part of the psychedelic imagery is the astral dungeons. And just basically, like I said, like you got a bunch of bronze age hippies running around and you know doing their thing that's great one of my buddies in our in our current cnc game is running a bard named jerry who's very um modeled after old jerry garcia <laughs> carries around a little pouch of mushrooms <laughs> I love oh well there, there's an entire section in uh the golden age of Kara's for drugs so oh there's, really? there's uh elation flower which is not weed there's um <laughs> you know there's like I kind of like the idea of like people rolling up papyrus leaf cigarettes and like smoking them on their breaks and sort of thing. <laughs> I like that. I appreciate that. I'm very excited about, about a whole section on, on illicit substances. <laughs> There's an entire class built around illicit substances in the book. A whole, a whole, what's the class? Um, they are called Penthus, which is the name of a physician from ancient Egypt. So I figured, Hey, you know, 3000 years later, I'm going to tell this guy, Hey, you're in a tabletop RPG game he's gonna be like what the heck is that you know <laughs> but yeah i'm like i'm gonna i'll name this class after this guy you know i don't that'll be his little uh memory for us but yeah it's a physician class and it kind of like takes the role of like a low fantasy healer yeah and some of their features is they have two features they have something called the um 
portable pharmacy and they have the illicit stash and the portable pharmacy they're almost like medicine cantrips if you play fifth edition so they're like always like really minor or super specific effects and they always just so happen to have some on them like elation flower not weed is one of them <laughs> what else has he got for um <laughs> <laughs> there's one it's like uh basil tea it, would, it causes nausea <laughs> so oh, no. but yeah then the other thing is they have their illicit stash and that's like the other kind of drugs that do more effects and like there's things like things that put people to sleep there's things that like if they're sleeping and they take it you can implant a false memory into them there's things that some there's a couple combat ones they're like there's this one substance if you throw it, it makes like a sonic boom kind of a thing there's one that corrodes bronze there's one that makes bronze really really hot if it comes into contact with it so the physician class has a lot of um things like that with them that are not magical based <laughs> Now, I've got a question that you kind of started dipping your toes into there for a second. You say this is Bronze Age, and does that impact, like, things that might be available equipment-wise and everything else? And how does that play out in the game? Yes and no. Our first part of the book, I say, hey, I'm going to use a lot of anachronisms in this to play up some common fantasy tropes. Like, for example, they use coins, and in a real Bronze Age society, you'd be bartering in cattle. I am not making anyone bartering cattle. That sounds <laughs> like a pain in the ass. So we end up using coins instead. Uh, and there's a couple other anachronisms in there. For the equipment, I really researched a lot of uh, weapons and armor that would be available during the Bronze Age. So I feel like that part's pretty period appropriate. But there's definitely a couple things in there. And I say straight up, these are anachronisms. These did not exist during the Bronze Age. But we're playing a fantasy game, so we're just going to roll with it. There's nothing that conceivably says they couldn't have had it if someone thought of it. So I prefer my fantasy games historically accurate with dragons, gnomes, and elves. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I I'll tell you what I do have. I picked up a copy of Low Fantasy Gaming a while back, and I have not had a chance to sit down and run it. I haven't even gone through it. I'm I'm um, I got a couple questions in regards to that. Uh, the first question being A, do you need the low fantasy gaming book to play this? And B, what how does it differ from other existing editions? So um do you need the book to play it? Yes and no, I would say. Um the PDF for the basic version is free and that has all the information you would need. I tried to put as much information into my book without having to constantly cross-reference it. So for example, all the spells are there, all the, um, I have abbreviated monster stats for all like those classic like Dungeons and Dragons fantasy monsters like skeletons and griffins and all that stuff. So I have abbreviated stats for all of those. I have an abbreviated rule section at the very beginning, like, hey, here's like the basic rules you're gonna be using. If you need any more details, this is where you can find them in the free PDF. The only thing that's def that you'll definitely need them there for is that I have four classes that are from low fantasy gaming, and they're basically classic, you know, D&D classes, barbarian, bard, fighter, and rogue. And I just said all the information you need to play those are going to be in low fantasy gaming because at this point, I'm like, I just be copy and pasting everything into there. And I was yeah. like, it's a free PDF. I'm like, you can get it. So yeah. <laughs> that was like my big thing. I want to make this, I want to make it to be like, I'm not going to make people buy anything extra. So even though there is a deluxe edition that I own, I made sure that all the content you need to run a game is in that free PDF. 
And it, it's it's a decent book. You can pick it up print on demand. I I think I got mine off of drive through if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, it's been it's been a couple of years, I think, since I picked it up. I can't remember when I picked it up. But yeah. So one thing I like to ask folk when they come on here, especially the first time we're talking to game creators, is where is it you got into the game? What got you into it? And how, what was that transition made where I'm playing this game and now I want to put out my own game? Like, how did that change happen? I started playing uh, tabletop RPGs when I was in middle school. Third edition Dungeons and Dragons. It had like just came out maybe a year and a half earlier. I remember picking up Player's Handbook at Walden Books, which doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> so I ended up playing for a little bit in middle school. I didn't, run a, I didn't run a serious campaign until I was like a senior in high school. And then I played all throughout high school and college and all that. Then I took a big break and I got back into tabletop RPGs during the pandemic when I found out, oh, there's a whole wide world outside of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> and then like I had hinted about earlier, especially with the OSR scene, I'm like, oh, like this is like that idealized Dungeons and Dragons that like I always dreamed of playing, but I never quite got with when playing third edition and Pathfinder and later fifth edition. So I was really excited about that. For creating the book, it's I have always just wanted to sit down and create a setting. Like I really enjoy world building. And I think that's definitely the strongest part of my book. When I was a kid, I wanted to grow up and be an anthropologist or archaeologist. So it's kind of like a little therapeutic to be writing about this make-believe Bronze Age society. So I ended up writing about that. And I just sat down one day and I was like, you know, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to put all this on paper. And then it took me about a year and I did it. And I was like pretty proud of myself for doing that. So because I had like sat down, I finally did something I had been wanting to do for years. (laughs) No, that's cool. Uh that, that, and you say something there that I, I feel kind of mirrors something that I recently said on the show. And uh, you said that like you, you're into your like you're really into anthropology and stuff like that. And and with me, it's a lot of like social theory and things like that. And I've said before, I'm like, I feel that if you lean into the things that are your interests outside of game for your game, it helps improve your that's where you can find your strength in your game and running or writing your game you think i'm off there no you're definitely right because like i mentioned like that's like the strongest part of my game because i just sat then i'm like all right i'm gonna write like a little like here's the basic facts about ancient cars and i'm like and i went through their entire culture i'm like here's their geography this is how their geography affects who they are and then i started thinking about here's what they eat here's their culture here's their holidays they celebrate this is how they keep time this is how their government works this is how their family life works and all that stuff so i ended up just you know spent i minored in anthropology in college so i was like i kind of felt like i was kind of putting that degree to use so <laughs> I just sat there and I was like, you know, I'm just going to write this like I'm writing a paper like in college. So I went there and I kind of just wrote up a whole write up about this fictitious society. That's great. That's great. So we're coming up about on time. Could you tell the listeners where they can find you online and where Well, as I'm assuming? Is this the first thing you've put out so far? Yeah, this is the first game I've ever put out. So I'm a, 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 the it's 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 on Kickstarter right now. By the time this airs, it's only going to have probably a few days left because uh, we record pretty far ahead. So everybody listening, rush out to Kickstarter, go over there, back it. Uh, let, let's get this thing going. <laughs> so yeah, if you want to find me um, on Instagram, just look up Golden Age of Kara's. That's the account I post most of my stuff to. 
And I have recently um, opened up a Twitter account as well, Moose Lodge Games. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's going to be like my gaming imprint because I kind of want to make more of this stuff. I'm like, if I want to dip myself back into um, Golden Age of Kares because I could have written another 300 pages about their culture if I really wanted to. I'm not going to make anyone buy a 600-page book about culture. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll let people do that. Maybe if I make a zine one day, I'll put in a couple things whenever I feel like writing about something. And also I have other ideas for other like modules and games I want to write, like um, Dark Places and Demogorgons recently got funded for Old School Essentials. And I really, really want to write a 2000s themed module on that based on like when I was a kid. Oh, think- cool. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah. Oh, we're excited about that new Dark Places and Demogorgons. We've played it a few times with our game group. We're kind of we're fans of the OG Dark Places and Demogorgons. I'm definitely looking forward to that new one. So yeah, it'll be cool to see some more stuff coming out. Just work with it. Eric Blood's a great guy. Uh, if you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook, search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at Logar Hale Cromp. We're on Patreon. We could really use the support. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling.